Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today, we're taking a short break from our regular programming, but we'll be back next week with another great guest. For this week's episode, we are re-airing a conversation from last May with Elizabeth Frederick and Amy K. Hutchins. You can find the notes for this show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 252. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and we have a returning guest today, which is always one of my favorite things. I am speaking to the founder of Amy K. International. She's a renowned speaker, author, facilitator, and business strategist. She has been named the International Speaker of the Year by Vistage UK and holds over 100 speaking events every year, helping executives lead, innovate, and collaborate more effectively. She's also the former executive of a billion-dollar global CPG company, and she is a best-selling author of multiple books, including her latest, which is why we're talking today, called Get It, Five Steps to the Sex, Salary, and Success You Want. She is based in one of my favorite cities in the country, San Diego, California. We are so glad to have you back, Amy K. Hutchins. Well, thanks for inviting me back. I'm honored to be here. All right. Well, it's as I said, I always love having returning guests. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners will probably remember your last episode. If they don't, they can always find it at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 173, because you were on episode 173. But I know some people won't listen to that or, or have forgotten it because they listened to every other episode since then. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe tell us a bit about what you've been up to lately? I am a teacher through and through, Elizabeth, and that makes me a hardcore salesperson. <laughs> so I started off as an elementary school teacher and then a teacher trainer, and then I became a corporate trainer spe- specifically in sales um, globally. And then I started my own sales and leadership training company, and we've morphed into what we are today 19 years later. And I just released my brand new book, which as of yesterday, day one, became an Amazon number one bestseller. So we are celebrating here today. Absolutely. And it's funny because I was, I was telling Amy Kay before we um, started recording, I got an excerpt of her book to help prepare for this conversation. And I'm loving it so much that I ordered the book. It hasn't come yet, but I will consider myself a small part of that bestseller nature. Um, (laughs) So um, as we're talking about, it was just released on April 28th. Uh, I want to say congratulations. Getting a book out is always a huge project. And um, to, to get the reception that you're getting is really affirmational. Um, What inspired you to write this book right now? Because I really needed it. (laughs) (laughs) This is like like the ultimate self-help book because I so needed this help. And that was actually, it's funny because I really did do the, what is the book that I wish I'd had? Mm -hmm. And it's it's stuff that I've learned the hard way. And so I I won't speak um, for all those that are listening, but I am the classic insert foot, you know, regret what you say six hours later, don't respond thoughtfully in the moment, think about it, you know, hours after um, it's happened. And so over the years, you know, you have these moments where you're like, probably should have said that, (laughs) wish I said. And so I really believe that probably everything that I've done is centered around communication, whether it's sales training, leadership, innovation, at the end of the day, you cannot be incredible in sales. You cannot be incredible leader or partner in your own home or in your own friendships, unless you have really strong communication skills. Absolutely. And you know, when I look back at my life, 
some of the biggest regrets I have are from things that I've said that I, I they still resonate through my mind today because I know that they, I didn't use the correct words. I didn't have the correct um, mindset behind it or the correct approach or even tone. Um, and so it's, I think so many of us can recognize where conversations and communication um, have driven us in, in good directions as well as in some bad directions. Yeah, I think, I think we all relate. And I think that's the power of it. You know, we were all given this voice box, so to speak, and no instructions on how to use it. And a lot of times we're just fine, you know, and then we have that one conversation that we look back. And I, I do say that there's this double-edged sword. I think that we can get better. I think that we should get better. I think that we should advance our skill set. And I think that we also need to learn how to have that tough conversation with ourselves to give ourselves grace when we do mess mm-hmm. up. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. And especially, you know, when we think of um, stressful times or difficult times, I think um, we need to we need to give ourselves some grace, but we also need to have the high expectations for ourselves and, and learn Absolutely. from lessons we've had. So not all of us can necessarily write a book to our former selves. Um, but, uh, but some level of self reflection um, is, is helpful in learning. So you always organize your books um, in a in a neat and tidy way. And so just like it says in the title, it shares five steps for people to get what they want. I would highly, highly recommend get the book, read the book um, to fully learn how to apply those steps. But um, I'd love if you could share kind of one, of one or more of those steps with us. And if you have any examples um, where you've seen those steps specifically, I can't talk today. Um, Seeing those steps specifically work in your life or in the lives of others. They, They are so proven by all of the clients that I have coached in the last few years that that was probably one of the seminal reasons for putting it into book format is that all of the steps that I was teaching, the magical phrases that I was sharing, they were working. So I'll give you, I'll give you a classic example. So the five steps are clarify your real want, seek connection or power, Tune into all the conversations, own your shit and de-stink theirs, and then know your lines, both what to say and where to draw them. And so I was doing, I'm trying to think now, it's probably been about 18 months, maybe 20 months now, and I'm coaching this gentleman. And I do, I do CEO, senior executive coaching, right? So super secular, super corporate, usually around team dynamics and culture and leadership. I'm like a really, truly business issues. And inevitably, Elizabeth, some CEO, some executive influencer or go-getter about four coaching sessions in will say, Amy Kay, can, can I have five minutes of your time? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it's like, and, and I have to do this huge caveat, Elizabeth. I am not a therapist, like full stop. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been a certified life coach for a gazillion years and I have a lot of behavioral psychology in my background because of my degrees, but I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, like full stop. But inevitably they'll say, you know, do you have this five minutes? And I normally just irreverently, cause you also know my personality, I'm super irreverent. I'll be like, okay, 50 bucks on kid or 50 bucks <laughs> on marriage. Like, what's it going to be that I'm going to win this bet? And this gentleman said to me, I've been married for 30 years. And I was like, okay. And he says, 29, pretty miserably. Oh my goodness. And I was like, oh, my heart hurt. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is no way to live your life, right? So then he says, 
can you fix her? And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh my God. So of course, you know, I'm laughing like, no, I can't fix her. And no, I'm not coaching her. But I have a question for you. And I said, who do you need to become to be worthy of a 30 year marriage? Who do you need to become to be somebody's best friend 30 years in? Who do you need to become to be somebody that they want to chase around the world, let alone the bedroom? And what was fascinating is that it took, it took a couple more calls, but we really did step two with him, which was to seek connection. Mm -hmm. And what was fascinating about it is he calls me and you cannot make this stuff up. He calls me and he says, Amy Kay, I'm having the best relationship I've ever had in my life. This is so great. And then he says, and this is what actually got me teary eyed at the time. He said, and not only is my marriage amazing, he said, my daughter's speaking to me again. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa. So that, that was one of those moments where I got goosebumps and I was like, you know, this stuff really works and it needs to be shared. And so it really was, it was not about going out and having an ego trip with the book. It was really going out and being like, God, my teacher DNA is strong. I just want to teach this stuff to as many people as possible. Absolutely. I have I have goosebumps hearing that story. And I I love um, something that came out there that I, I wanna I wanna pull on this thread a little bit because I think it's a natural human response and it's it's a wrong one. Um, I'll say without trying to get too much into blame. Um, when I heard, you know, can you fix her? I think so often our initial response when things are going wrong, when we're not getting what we want out of life is to look outward and to think what around me is causing me to, to be in the situation that I'm in. And a coach, somebody outside you can be the person to help spark. Why don't you look within and see what you can change within? Because you can't change other people, but you can change yourself and your communication and your behavior. And that will actually change other people because they're going to respond to a different you in a different way. So can you talk a little bit about just that important switch between um, changing yourself and changing other people? Very, very simplistically, and then we can, we can expand upon it. But really and truly, I tell everybody that I'm working with, you cannot control somebody else's reaction, but you can prepare for it and you can control your response. And so the difference between a reaction and a response is the critical thinking. So for instance, you're allowed to be, uh, well, you're allowed to be human. Yeah, you are allowed to be human. Um, and one of the things, see, we, we say things even goofy when we're talking about how great communicators we are. So one of the things is that it is normal to have a reaction that is strong and swift and hijacks your amygdala in the brain. And so you can get a quick flash of envy, jealousy, anger, disappointment, frustration. That's normal. What you choose to do with it, how you choose to channel it is that thoughtful response. And one of the things that I, I constantly preach is that whether it's a critical sales conversation, a performance review, one of those seminal or inflection points in a relationship, you must prepare for that conversation. And it's not about preparing to control the other person. It's about preparing so that you know what you're going to do irrespective of how they react or respond. Absolutely. I love that. It's, you know... You, you can never control your reaction, but the more preparation you do, the more you think through how might somebody react. Um, 
you know, and, and you don't want to spin yourself into too many cycles here, but really think through what are maybe the top two or three most likely reactions based on what I know of this person and how might I respond to each of them? You know, what's the best reaction that I might get and how would I respond? What's maybe the most expected reaction and how would I respond? And then what's a negative reaction and how might I respond? Absolutely. And, and just preparing yourself for that. And then just think of the level of, of comfort, of, of relaxation going into it. And people are people, just like you said, they're allowed to be human too. And so they might give you something completely off the wall. But you know what? If you prepared a positive, a negative, and then an average response, even if they don't give you the exact thing that you expected, it's going to be positive, negative, or in between. And so you can you can take that response that you prepared and adjust it as necessary. But at least you've got something to build on as opposed to just blah, whatever comes out. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the other thing that I think that we often do is we don't give ourselves permission to also take a moment. Mm. And so one of the things that I will often say to somebody is, and if, if you get blindsided or if they react in a way or respond in a way that it's just, you're sort of like a deer caught in headlights, then I say your first response is, I'm not sure how to respond. Mm. I may need a moment or to flip it and then say, Elizabeth, how are you hoping I respond? Wow. And that just is a game changer. I mean, it's a total game changer because one, it buys you time to start thinking. And it also does no damage when you say, I'm not sure how to respond because you haven't responded. You haven't given them any emotional feedback to play against. And so if you really are stuck, one of the best things you can do is just own it. Absolutely. And something that I say all the time in coaching sessions, I literally said this to somebody just yesterday or the day before. Um, and I was I was doing a, a coaching session on calling. And um, it's somebody who is uh, obviously in, in these times, he's making a lot more calls than he used to. And he was talking too much. And, and one thing that I said is the person who is talking is never the person in control. Um, anytime you are talking, the other person has a chance to be thinking and they're processing what you're saying. And the, the actual time and space when you're talking, you're already, you've set yourself on a path. And so the more you can pause and give people time, um, you know, you're letting them give you more information. They're the one who, who are providing you with what you need to say next. And you're not just jumping on the first thing that they said. I think most of us, if we look at, at the conversations we've had that have been the least effective, the most painful, the, the most frustrating, it's that it was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth really fast. And we just didn't give ourselves or the other person time to, to think and to breathe and to, um, to see if we could, you know, take the temperature down just a little bit. I, I think, I think you're spot on. I think that one of the things that, you know, we've been told, and of course it's just a myth today, but we were always told growing up is, you know, whatever you do, don't go to bed angry. Mm. And you know, then you get to be an adult and you're like, that's the dumbest piece of advice ever. You know, go to bed, get some mm. sleep, wake up, you're more thoughtful, you're less emotional, you know, you've thought some things through, you can choose your words um, more carefully, you're more likely to give a chance to the pause. Um, and that's a really brilliant sales technique too. And I even talk about it in the book, The Power of Pause, of once you say something, don't be the first person to fill the air yeah. 
with more words because oftentimes the other person will fill it for you and they'll give you fantastic fodder or information that gives you a little bit of either more contextual understanding or more information to play with. And so I'll often, I'll often say to salespeople as well, I think Elizabeth, you and I are like sisters from another mother, um, you know, just be quiet mm-hmm. for a second and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so often people are terrified of silence and if you, if you are right, if, if, you know, anytime there's a gap in the conversation, you feel the need to rush in. Um, I see this, especially in a sales context, because obviously I'm, I'm mostly coaching salespeople and sales executives. You will actually have times where you have said something, you've asked a question, you've, your client, your prospect has discovered a potential solution and they're processing, processing it in their minds. They're thinking through this is interesting. What if I were to buy this? What if I were to implement this? What would the impacts look like? Who should I involve in this conversation? And they're buying in their minds. They're actually going through their next steps in their buyer journey because you've done a good job so far. And then you step on it (laughs) and they're quiet for a few seconds and you feel like I need to jump in. Um, We can also do discounts. Uh, uh, If you don't want to do this full program, we can do a smaller version of it. And it's just like, stop, stop, just wait (laughs) and and see what they say. And um, it's just so funny, but sad because often you've done a really good job up until then. And then the first time there's a gap of, you know, even 10 seconds And it's funny, if we're silent for 10 seconds, you'll see how long that is. It it does sound like a long time. It can get a little bit uncomfortable, but just wait for just a minute and and, and process. And if you think, and they're thinking, like you're going to end up in a better place on the other side of that pause. (laughs) Very true. All right, Amy Kay, something that you touched on earlier, you just like dropped this, this phrase in, and I want to sit on it for a second, is magical phrases. That is something I always love about your work is that you help people with little actual phrases and scripts because um, certainly every conversation is different, right? You're having a big conversation. You can't script the whole thing out for us. But there are specific phrases that are just incredibly powerful and that we can all adopt. I know in your book, I believe you have seven, um, but could you share at least one of those with us today? Yes. And I'm I'm a huge curator of magical phrases. So I, I am not a fan of scripting, um, especially when we do sales as well, because you get that robotic mm-hmm. response of where am I in the script? I'm like, yes, I can tell you're lost as well. <laughs> but I, I think that especially for salespeople, but then this applies to everybody having a back pocket, brilliant one liner can completely redirect. It can diffuse. It can change the course of a conversation. It can start a conversation beautifully. It can anchor a conversation. So there's a just there's a gazillion reasons to have them, and I'm a huge curator. And you know everything from the irreverent, like when would now be a good time, <laughs> um, to to the more thoughtful. So for instance, um, this one's not in the book, and I'll definitely share one from the book. But one that I've been sharing a lot lately, just because of the turbulent times, is that people really want to feel in control. And so when you ask, well, would you be willing to, and you fill that in with whatever your request is, you're giving people a sense of control over their time, their energy, and their choices. So if I said, for instance, like, Elizabeth, would you be willing to, you know, follow up with me tomorrow at 9 a.m.? And you say, yes, 
you've made that decision. That decision is yours and you own it. And so you're much more likely to buy in and be engaged because I asked, would you be willing? And if you said no, then I'd be like, okay, well, Elizabeth, what would you be willing to do? And you might be like, well, I'd be willing to like talk to you next week. And I'm like, okay. But what's fantastic about that is instead of saying, Hey, let's talk tomorrow or is nine o'clock a good time. You're really handing them just with those beautiful, magical words. Would you be willing to a sense of control and choice? And it works beautifully with children as well as Mm. it does adults. I could see that. I love that. It's such a small distinction, but when I'm thinking of how I might ask that question without, without this language, without this magical phrase, I might say something like, you know, can, can you meet at nine tomorrow? And that is asking, is it possible? Or even, are you open at 9am tomorrow? And instead, would you be willing? I don't know whether or not you're open and you might be open, but still not be willing to, right? Um, That's and right. It's giving, and it's a very different psychological absolutely. play. Absolutely. And, and then if somebody says, yes, I am willing to, or no, unfortunately that doesn't work, but I could meet at 11am instead, like you said, they're taking control and they're taking ownership. And I would imagine they're a lot more likely to show up for that meeting um, and be on time for it and be prepared for it once they've internalized that they're willing to take this meeting and they're the one that signed up for it. Exactly. And that, that's what makes it such a powerful phrase is that it just, it's a great psychological shift. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we uh, A small one that we use, and I don't know if, if you have this in your library, um, but I will, I will give this to you as a potential gift to add to your, your library of magical phrases, is when you, um, when you start a meeting with somebody, and this is especially helpful if it's in person, but it can also work on a, on a phone or a web, web-based meeting, thank you for inviting me in, or thank you for inviting me to share this with you today. That is actually working on both you and the person that you're talking to. You could have beaten down the door to get this meeting. You could have bugged them as much as possible. You could have called everybody in that organization. And you're feeling that in the back of your mind, and they're feeling it in the back of their mind. But if you start a meeting by thank you for inviting us to have this conversation today, you're immediately positioning yourself for for your own internal mindset and for them as you're a guest. You are an invited guest. Yeah. You are here for a reason. And it's incredibly powerful how changing your own mindset and theirs works. It's just such a small thing. But at the beginning, instead of thank you for, for allowing us to meet, you know, thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting us to present this today. Uh, it's it's minor, but it, it's, it really does cause a big difference in the way you show up and the way they receive you in that meeting. Uh, first of all, brilliant. And second of all, that's the crazy thing about magical phrases is that we, we say that they're minor and it's true. It's just, it's just a minor word play, like a minor choice, whatever, but it's a major impact on the outcome. Absolutely. I, I love that. So like I said, you've got seven of those in your book. And oh you yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> no, you always have so many. I'm, your, I'm going to now, you know, thank you for inviting me. So thank you, by the way, Elizabeth, thank you for inviting me to get back to my, my regularly scheduled programming <laughs> here with my next fabulous friend. Um, yeah, so one of one of the famous ones that's been around for a really long time, and I think that we forget about how powerful it is, are the three magical words, how might we? 
And I use this in sales all the time when I start a conversation. So again, you're correct. After saying, hey, Elizabeth, thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. How might we set ourselves up and your listeners for success? How might we teach them some information that's going to be really helpful for them? How might we put together a program that's going to be really beneficial to them? This how might we question could be anything from how might we safeguard our Q3 and Q4 results to how might we scale? How might we increase sales by 12%? How might we close faster? Every time you pose a how might we, you are opening up space for further possibility, for further ideation. You're also saying we're in this together. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth doesn't have to solve it. Amy Kay doesn't have to solve it, but we can solve it together. It's, It's funny, like you said, it's such a small phrase. Literally each one of those words has power. You know, the how is let's plan, let's build something, let's think, let's create possibility. The might is I'm, I'm putting this in your control. I want us to to build something big. I want us to to open ourselves to, to possibility. And we is we're working on this together. I'm not putting this all on you. I'm not taking it all on myself. Um, let's think of how we can do it. And so literally just in three words, you've created these powerful, huge concepts that are coming through. And it's just three little words. And that, and that's what's so fun about them is that, so for instance, a really great thing in customer service. So for all those who are listening that are dealing with customers that are complaining, not like that ever happens, <laughs> right? So now, now you've got a customer that comes to you and says something like, well, this didn't work, or this was broken, or this was delayed. And instead of getting defensive, one of the first things that I tell customer service folks to say is, well, Elizabeth, that won't do. In other words, I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not even going to get defensive. I'm not even going to like say, oh, well, we, you know, I'll look for that. No. The first thing I say is, well, that won't do like that. We're going to solve this now. You would be amazed at how ballistic, really upset customers. The minute that you say, well, gosh, that won't do completely like, oh, um, right. Okay. (laughs) It won't do. (laughs) I love that. That's that's so small. But I think back to conversations I've had before, um, and I I do always, and this is something that that I, I, I be, I'm is very intentional about. I try to remember that the person on the other end of the phone, they're never the person that caused my problem, and they are making not much money, and they're dealing with terrible, difficult, awful people. So I, I try my best to, you know, be be gracious and and just explain things. But no matter how how frustrated I am. If I feel like they're resistant to me or they're ignoring my problem or in denial about it, I can be thinking I want to be the nicest person in the world, but I'm going to get so frustrated. But if I feel like they're yeah. on my side and they're working for me and fighting for me and they get the impact of the problem they had, I'm literally thinking of, of conversations I've had with my cable company because I feel like that's the, that's the example when it comes to customer service that we all think of, cable or cell phone. Um, Nobody can relate. I know, they're call. so perfect. But I've had some conversations with, with tech support people who it's like they took it as a personal attack that I was having problems. And it was just like, I'm, I'm sorry, it, it is a problem. It's happening let's work together on fixing it versus I've had some who said, Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine that must be awful. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Thank you. Now let's work. And it just, you breathe and you calm down and it's, it's such a big difference. And like you said, just, just a few different words. That's wonderful. Um, so something that, that I want to spend a little bit of time on today, obviously we're recording this, um, at an interesting time 
in history. So uh, again, I don't always share recording dates, but I think with, with how quickly things are changing, we're recording this on April 29th. And um, there's a lot of challenge that people are experiencing right now. And so I know you're an expert in powerful, intentional, tough conversations. And there are a lot of tough conversations that people need to be having right now, whether they're leaders who are maybe having to um, announce difficult news to their teams or um, they're they're seeing poor results and, and they need to have conversations about that um, or just in general, they're, they're, they're thinking about what's happening in the world and, and they need to be communicating with their teams. So what are some things that you've that you've seen that people should not be doing? Um, and also what are, what are some things that people should be doing as leaders are communicating in these, in these turbulent, confusing times? You know, it's interesting. We've done a lot of webinars on leading and communicating in turbulent times mm-hmm. and they're really resonating. I mean, it's just such a needed topic right now. So I'm, I'm glad we're still talking about it because as we emerge from what I call the adrenaline rush response to the crises, And now we come into the, okay, so what protocols, how are we going to adapt? One of the things that I think that's really important is for leaders to show up and be more adaptable and flexible, even in their communication and to lean in. And so one of the first things that I say is validate and then problem solve. And so it's a little bit about what we were talking about earlier is the idea of not to be quite so rigid and I have a plan for this and we'll completely figure it out and don't worry, don't stress, I have it handled. Well, but they are worried. And they are stressed. And so to lean in first and be like, hey, I get it. You know, we're all worried and we're all stressed. So here's what we're going to do with the information and then roll out like this credible, thoughtful response. And I think that it's really important right now for everybody to realize that when we talk about adaptability, it can be a buzzword until you really break it down. And adaptable means that we are living outside example right now. There, there is no precedent. Um, these are unprecedented times. And so what we need to do is we need to say, well, if there is no example, so to speak, well, then how do I want to set a good example right now? How do I want to show up and be an empathic, credible, calm, clear communicator? And so it's not about hyperbolic extremes of, oh, we're all going to be fine or, oh, you know, the world is going to fall apart. It's about really looking at people and saying, well, here's the data, here's the information, and here's how we're going to respond to it. And I think that it's also, when we come to sales and leadership, it's important to really listen to the customer's spoken needs as well as their unspoken needs. And I'll be real vulnerable here. This is a new story. It happened a couple of weeks ago. I I tend to, like, if you're in my community, Elizabeth, we send out free stuff on Wednesdays. Like, that's just when we send Mm -hmm. it out. If you're a part of our community, you get videos and tools and all that, and they come at you on Wednesday. But because we were having this brand new free webinar about leading and communicating in turbulent times, we put out a, I think, I don't want to misquote, we put out three, so it would have had to have been, okay, it was a Thursday, a Friday, and a Monday, because we did it on a Tuesday. So we did it three days in a row. And this gentleman writes to me this missive about how he had worked his entire career for leaders like Tony Robbins. And he mentioned a bunch of people's names. And he said, you know, I was their marketing specialist for years. This is overkill. And I know that you need to do it, but this is ridiculous. Now notice this diatribe and what is unspoken. He didn't hit unsubscribe. Mm. No, (laughs) took the time to write 
paragraphs. Now he leads off with, he's an expert in this. And I'm thinking, okay, so somebody's feeling insecure, right? Somebody's like, you know, we don't know what this is going to I'm like, okay, you don't know your own future. So I wrote him back just this really short. I said, look, I hear you. I completely understand. Um, this is a free webinar. We're not pitching anything, but I get it. We'll be happy to unsubscribe. And, and most important, I want you to stay safe and I want you to stay healthy. Well, you cannot again, make this stuff up. Five minutes later, maybe, maybe seven. So we don't exaggerate. I get an email back from him. Another like long email of, oh my gosh, isn't this awful? And blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy was seeking connection. Absolutely. He was seeking relevance. He's seeking belonging. He's, seek, he's seeking somebody to witness that he's sitting at home inside his house and he's alone and he's insecure and he's, and he's concerned and he's stressed out. And so I think it's really important for us right now to show up with empathy and grace for those that we're serving to say, Hey, you know what? You've got spoken needs, but you also have unspoken needs. And I'm going to try to really respond to both. Absolutely. And I think that's such a powerful story. And thank you for, for sharing that because like you said, a lot of times we don't recognize that people are looking for connection, especially because we think, well, they have people around them, but maybe he didn't have anybody around him who he thought would understand things like marketing, things like, you know, how you communicate with people. Maybe he has a family that he's spending time with and and he even has a pretty good relationship with them, but he doesn't want to share his stress about the situation with them. Um, and so, you know, recognizing that people are looking to connect in so many different ways, um, or maybe, you know, very, he could very well live completely alone and and be incredibly lonely and he just doesn't have anybody to talk to. And so we, we never want to, to assume, but really trying, it sounds like you're, you know, trying to understand the unspoken needs behind what, what somebody is saying, trying to, um, you know, not focus on the negative words in the email, not focus on your initial emotional response, but giving people a little grace, um, assuming some level of positive intent, even though, even though it might not be coming out in the language and then really thinking about, um, you know, how could I respond in such a way to turn an unproductive communication that I got from them into a productive conversation um, moving forward. And if, if you can have those those principles behind what you're communicating, um, th- that's just so incredibly helpful. It it reminds me of we um, we put together a series of webinars on selling in uncertain times and leading in uncertain times. And the first email went out. And our, our marketing director got a response from somebody of just F off selling in a crisis like this. And it was just like, whoa. <laughs> and, and then I tried to really think about it. And I had a good conversation with her about it. He may very well have had like a friend, a family member in the hospital at that point. Like if somebody is lashing out with such a, such a visceral response, they're feeling something really difficult um, in the moment. And you can't, adjust your entire strategy based on one person lashing out. And we got so many very positive reactions to marketing the webinar. And, and so often it's easy to, to blow up that one negative reaction um, so much because it, it just, you know, it's like somebody poked you. Um, but, but to just step back from it a little bit and think what on earth could make somebody respond in that way then you start to to have a little empathy and um, and perspective, I think, on the situation. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's really important to consider too that you know making money from a crisis and making money during a crisis mm. are two very different things. I mean, you know, if you if you want to be the guy that goes out and says, "Hey, here are some hand sanitizers," you know, fifty of them for a thousand dollars, you know, that's a very different um, way to go to market than if you say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to do this webinar series." Um, and now ours, it, it was interesting. Ours is over. We just did it in response. We did it for free. And there are now webinar series that people are going to pay for to come to start to like, you know, safeguard results and grow and work remotely. And to me, I think it's totally appropriate. And the reason that I think it's totally appropriate is because there are still real business needs. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like the example of, let's just say, um, I don't know if we're, we're allowed to say, but let's say like the recording company that we're using today for this podcast, how everybody's using these um, go to meetings and Zooms and Adobe Connect. None of those companies are saying, oh, let us deeply discount now for you since everybody needs it. Now, did they go jacking their prices or raising their prices? No, but they, but they didn't stop serving a real need. And, it, and it's no different for us to say whatever it is that we are selling, it still serves a business need. Absolutely. And I do think there's something really powerful about, uh, you know, economic numbers are coming out and they're terrible. And there's so many people who are unemployed, you know, tax revenues to cities and state governments are down because of the way the economy has slowed down. So if you can keep things moving, if you can buy and you can sell, you're keeping those people employed. You're, um, you know, contributing to the profits of a company that are, that are going to pay taxes, you know, to their, to their local government. And those of us who are in businesses that can keep going, in a safe way, because, you know, we're, we're working virtually and working from home, we're maintaining at least some level of health in the economy that is, is going to keep things, you know, somewhat moving as opposed to, we can't just shut everything down. Um, no, and that's, and that's a really great, that's a really great point. And that is that we all have a role to play as much as we can play it to the economic health and the livelihood of the teams and the people that we employ. And so I think that, you know, with, the unemployment at over 22 million right now, as we speak, that for you to be able to say, Hey, if I can, if I can serve a real need and I can do it with ethics and I can do it in a way that keeps my seven, 10, 500 people employed, then, you know, more power to you because those are the right business decisions to be making for the good. Well, for how about if we say for the greater good? Mm, absolutely. And it's, you know, again, a lot of this is, it's for yourself and your own comfort and mindset, just as much as it is for the person that you're talking to. You know, if you have internalized, I shouldn't be working in this time. I shouldn't be doing business. Like you said, not on the situation, but in the situation, during the situation, then it's going to come out and how you communicate. And you're going to be indicating to people that what you're doing is wrong and dirty and not okay or sleazy or something. Um, and, and, then the messages that you send are going to sound that way because that's what you think. But if instead you recognize, you know what, there are still problems that exist in the, in the market, in the, in the world that I can solve for people. And then I'm helping them. I'm helping my company. I'm, it's actual people that are being impacted by this. And if you feel that sense of confidence, that internalized message comes out in your external communication. And um, this is a principle that is always the case, you know, all the time. I've, I've, I've coached salespeople who thought selling was dirty. And guess what? 
the way that they sold a lot of times was a little bit dirty <laughs> because if you internalize that what you're doing is wrong, you're going to do it in a sneaky sort of a way, right? But if you think, you know what, I'm doing a perfectly appropriate thing. I'm doing a very professional thing. I am a problem solver. I look for people who have needs that I can, that my organization can solve. I help them figure out if we're a right fit and we solve those problems for them. Then you can do that in a very professional problem solving approach. And it's just, it's literally a mindset shift that you need to have internally before any communication comes out. Because a lot of times, um, you know, our communication is influenced by our thoughts behind the scenes that are, you know, either on the positive side or on the negative side. For sure. I mean, our thoughts determine everything, including including our reality and, and the way that our lives look. In fact, I've always said that, you know, the quality of your life is a reflection of the quality of your conversations. And the quality of those conversations comes from the quality of your thinking. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, books like yours and, um, you know, approaches like, like the ones that you take where you're, you're helping people think through um, what are some strategies for, um, for planning my conversations, strategies for planning my life. Um, that's, that's incredibly helpful and a, a real benefit to people as they're, as they're looking at situations, you know, one benefit I think that, that some people can take in this time is you may just have a little bit more time on your hands. Uh, some of us, uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm way busier than I was before, which is weird. I'm not spending, you know, over an hour every day commuting. Somehow that time gets eaten up. Um, but there are people whose hours have been cut, um, who have been furloughed, um, who have been laid off. And this can be a good time to just take stock. You know, if you have breathing room to do that, and I understand some people just don't, you know, if you've got three screaming kids um, who need your attention all the time, um, you know, if you're incredibly anxious about where where you're going to, you know, feed your family, um, how you're going to, to stay afloat, you might not have that time. But if you are in a position where you have some breathing room, um, this can be a really good time to do some analysis of, you know, what is it that you want out of life and how can you get there? And so, you know, I think your book is coming out in some ways it's a challenging time, I would imagine for you, but in other ways, it's just such a perfect book for this moment. Well, thank you. And that was, that was a conscious decision when we started this, um, stay at home and sheltering in place. We had a very, I would say just really thoughtful and measured conversation about whether we wanted to bring the book out and, and stay on track. And at the end of the day, it was sort of like, yes, because if, if words don't matter more now, then when would they? Mm. In terms of all the conversations that people are going to be having in tight quarters with family members, um, leading teams remotely, um, and then even emerging from this. You know, when it's over, we're going to be setting, you know, what does, I, I really, it's a buzz phrase. So I'm not a fan of using it, but it is like, what will this next new normal mm -hmm. look like? Because um, we aren't going back to the way it was. I mean, that the way of our old life is gone. That doesn't mean all of it is gone, but the, 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 the patterns and the habits and the routines that we all had, they are going to shift. And as you say, it's the perfect time for reflection and it's the perfect time to rebuild and, and make the future even stronger. And so to me, it was sort of like, well then, you know, let's publish this book because it will do nothing but help everybody have these tough conversations. 
Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's more tough conversations happening right now. Um, one thing about a crisis is it can sometimes force the tough conversation that should have happened months ago um, and that you've been able to paper over by busyness and by success and by normal life. And uh, the tide goes out and you're like, oops, now, now we need to have that tough conversation. It may be a little more tough because we've been putting it off for a while. So um, really, really helpful to have books like yours. Um, speaking of books, we, we always like to give recommendations to our listeners. Do you have any books other than yours that you would recommend that listeners check out in times like this? I, I read a brilliant book and I was late to the party, so it's a little bit older, but I read a brilliant book that is I'm now going back to. And it's Building a Story Brand by Dan Miller. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really excellent on doing a couple things. It's, it's helping you to get really clear on what you do mm. and the problems that you solve in doing it. And so it's the perfect time right now, especially for salespeople, to go back and remind themselves that if, if you want to feel, one, better about selling right now, and two, get clearer about how you sell – it's the stories that you tell about what it is that you do that you solve for other people's results. And so it's it's a great book for saying, hey, I'm not going to make this conversation all about me and my service and my product. I'm going to talk about why and how we solve the problems that we do to make a huge impact for you. And I just love the book. I think, I think it's just really filled with practical tips and techniques for positioning yourself both to market and sell. Absolutely. That sounds like a great one. I don't think I've heard of that book before. So I missed the wave on that too. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, yes, I was late to the party, but Building a Story Brand by Dan Miller is an excellent read. Nice. Thank you. All right. I, I always love to talk to you, Amy Kay. I feel like I, I get something out of it every time personally, and I feel like it's always uh, great for our listeners as well. If you want those listeners yeah. to learn more about you and your work, where should they go? The easiest is to go to amyk.com. So four letters, A-M-Y-K, which is my first name, amyk.com. And a great way to get started is with all the free stuff that we have on our homepage. So um, generosity is just one of my core values. I've been wired that way since I, I came out of the womb. And I have all kinds of free tools on the homepage, lots of things that you can do to get started, including one of my favorite sales tools, which is Eight Magical Words. And that is there. You're so welcome to follow me on Instagram. I'm there at Amy K. Hutchins. So you can find me at Amy K. Hutchins. And then we have a brilliant course that really teaches you how to become a master communicator. So if you're really ready to like jumpstart, escalate, and scale your communication uh, skills really quickly, you should check out our signature program, which is the power of profitable conversations. And you can learn more about it again at amyk.com. Well, and now is such a great time. Again, if you do have a little bit more time freed up um, and, and you've decided to invest in yourself, uh, a course like, you know, becoming a master communicator, that can be nothing but helpful as we move into that new normal. All right. Thank you so much, Amy Kay, for coming back and speaking to me today. Thank you. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you. All right. I think we could have kept talking for hours. Um, And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything we've been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 252. If you're enjoying the show, thank you so much. And I would love it if you could share it with a friend. That really helps us grow our audience and more people discover the show. Um, I'd also recommend if this is your first time listening today and you're not yet subscribed, subscribe for free 
on whatever platform it is that you're listening right now. That'll make sure that you get each new episode as it comes out. If you have any direct feedback for us, guest suggestions, or, or questions for us, you can always reach us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. We love feedback, ratings, and reviews. That helps people find the show, and it, it does let us know what's working and where we have room to improve. Remember to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, Mark Krogan, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!